0: part two of session 16. Here we're going to talk about Moses and the 10 commandments, but also we'll discuss life in other planets from the perspective of the law of one, what life means. So let's start. In the last video, we talked about what the Orion group sent here as a social memory complex uh, about 3,600 years ago. I know in the text it says 2,600, but this was corrected in the next session, session 17. But that um, entity that they sent here, the Orion group, again, is what Don is asking as the first question that I have in the video. So let's go in straight to it. Don says, can you name the entity that they sent here 2,600 years ago, which is actually 3,600 years ago. Ra says, this entity named by your people's Yahweh. Can you tell me the origin of the Ten Commandments? Ra says, the origin of these commandments follows the law of negative entities impressing information upon positively oriented mind-body-spirit complexes the information attempt to copy or ape positivity while retaining negative characteristics. Okay, so really quick. I mean, Yahweh, we know from our research, you know, outside of the law of one, it is a very questionable entity to be considered as a god. I know it's the biblical one. Um, of course, there's a lot of roughness, you know, for people to take the Bible for granted or if at face value. Uh, people who have... Research it a lot. You know, they know that there is discrepancy between you know the loving God and you know the the punishing one, the, the one that's um, kind of like a psychopath that likes to um, I don't know punish its own creation for some reason. So this is more in line with what we interpret from the Bible, knowing that it used to you know cause uh, catastrophes and his wrath and all this stuff. So. Kind of makes sense that this entity was sent by um, by the Orion group, and also it has been said in some uh, in some sources that this. I mean, if you, if you think about it too, there was no free will. There was no way to decide between what we consider good or bad, or good and evil, or you know, positive or negative. Everything was just a positive-oriented society, and the funny thing is that. When you have, and this is something that's discussed in 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 the future sessions, I think is around session eighty or around there, seventy, uh, late seventies, or um, they discuss the uh, the possibility that was before the veil of existence between uh, or in third density, and there was this civilization or. Massive civilizations around the whole universe that didn't have the veil, and they were there were there was no polarities. There was just positive service to others because everybody could see that there were the creators, so there was no division. And because of that, they had to, or the creator, not they, <laughs> the creator just decided to unanimously around the whole universe create the veil for third density. So Yahweh's uh, Garden of Eden is kind of similar to that, and it was. You know, the the introduction of good and evil that created the polarities, you know, that created, you know, so-called evil, of course, but uh, that is the way we actually grow. And this is, you know, more in line with the general spirituality that we know from different ancient civilizations that uh, know and respect this, this sort of influence on the earth. So... Uh, just wanted to add that in and now about the commandments, uh, the information attempt to copy or ape positivity, I mean we're gonna get into that now but um, yeah the ten, the, the ten Commandments is also something that you know uh, at large has been discussed as something that doesn't make too much sense you know to constrain society in specific ways almost like laws and laws always are restricting you know human behavior which by default just makes sense that you know, it's not from from an all-loving, you know, entity, so, anyhow, let's go on. Um, Don says, was this done by the o- o- Orion group? And, of course, this is correct. Makes sense. What was the purpose, their purpose, in doing this? Ross says the purpose of the Orion group, as mentioned before, is conquest and enslavement. This is done by finding and establishing an elite and causing others to serve the elite through various devices, such as the laws of you mentioned, the laws you mentioned, and others given by this entity. What was their purpose in doing this? Here we go. The recipient was one of extreme positivity, thus accounting for some of the pseudo-positive characteristics of the information received. As with contexts which are not successful, this entity vibratory complex Moses, I'll pronounce it Moses, did not remain a credible influence among those who had first heard the philosophy of one. And this entity was removed from this third density vibratory level in a lessened or saddened state, having lost what you may call the honor and faith with which he had begun the conceptualization of the law of one and the freeing of those who were of his tribes as they were called at dot time space. Okay, so again, Don is asking a question that has been answered before, which is what's the purpose, you know, in the Orion group doing this, just to establish an elite by which they can govern, uh, essentially. And then they're talking about Moses, about how a positively oriented entity could get you know negative information like that and it happens all the time even now there are uh, several channelers I don't know them myself but I know from different sources that they get kind of tainted you know with the information and we know from Ra's explanation that even people who are trying to to find positive information they get kind of uh, interrupted by negative or accept negative influences by the way that they're asking and the way they're behaving and so on. I mean, it's kind of complicated. I don't even know myself how it actually works between the channelers and so on. But, you know, this is something that just, you know, it's it's a possibility. So that's what happened. Um, so that's what happened to Moses. Unfortunately, he was corrupted unknowingly because he was an extremely positive oriented uh, entity. But... You know, he got corrupted by Orion Group. I guess it happens, right? Let's go on. Next question that Don has is, if this entity was positively oriented, how was the Orion Group able to contact him? I explains. This was an intensive, shall we say, battleground between positively oriented forces of Confederation origin and negatively oriented sources. The one called Moses, was open to impression and received the law of one in its most simple form. However, the information became negatively oriented due to his people's pressure to do specific physical things in the third density planes. This left the entity open for the type of information and philosophy of a self-service nature. So here's a little light shed on the matter uh, where apparently the peoples of Moses pressure Moses to have like, I guess, rituals I've I've heard that were uh, the nature of, you know, this this kind of ideology where they created, you know, uh, certain uh, physical exercises that they had to do to worship and whatnot. And, you know, it just, it became more of a a dogma or an indoctrination that uh, it's you know, classic of the Orion group's philosophy, you know, you have to have a certain hierarchy and so on. So it seems like that's what caused the, uh, the impression of the negative influences on on Moses and, you know, the rest of the information that he was channeling uh, from, from entities from another plane thinking it was God. So uh, again, I guess it happens. Here we go. So, next question is it would be unlike it would be unlike an entity fully aware of the knowledge of the law of one to ever say thou shall not. Is this correct? And we know this. This is correct. Can you give me some kind of history of your social memory complex and how you became aware of the law of one? Ra says, the path of our learning is graven in the present moment. There is no history, as we understand your concept. Picture, if you will, a circle of being. We know the Alpha and Omega as infinite intelligence. The circle never ceases. It is present. Ra says, the densities we have traversed at various points in the circle correspond to the characteristics of cycles. First, the cycle of awareness, second, the cycle of growth, third, the cycle of self-awareness, fourth, the cycle of love and understanding, fifth, the cycle of light or wisdom, sixth, the cycle of light, love, love, light or unity, seventh, the gateway cycle, eighth, the octave which moves into a mystery we do not plumb. So this one is a little mind-twisting because Ra is saying that there is no history for them. That there is just information available and that's the way I see it. Uh, they refer to the circle as the, uh, the reference for us to see how there is no history because there is only uh, what it is. So I know that in sixth Density or any other density for that matter, time is experienced in a different way or is a different sort of experience with time. Um, but just in the sense that they're describing it seems like there is no such thing as history. Everything is available to them as they have experienced it already. And then they go through the densities as we know them. That's why I put them all colored. So uh, it makes sense and you can get the reference of you know, different densities and they say they have they have traversed all of them. Um, I'm kind of uh, uh, dubious about the seventh because I know they haven't but they know about it, maybe because their masters have been uh, teaching them that. They have said that, so maybe they know about it, uh, but they haven't actually been there. I don't know. It's a little confusing, but that's the answer we got. And, you know, if you have any idea that want to contribute to this, let me know because this, again, is a little mind-twisting for me. Let's go on to the next question, which is actually related to this. It says. Thank you very much. In previous material, before we communicated with you, it was stated by the Confederation that there is actually no past or future. All is present. Would this be a good analogy? Ra says, there is past, present and future in third density. In an overview such as an entity may have, removed from space-time continuum, it may be seen that in the cycle of completion there exists only the present. We ourselves seek to learn this understanding. At the seventh level, or dimension, we shall, if our humble efforts are sufficient, become one with all, thus having no memory, no identity, no past or future, but existing in the all. So, again, this is the kind of convoluted part with time in general. But what I can gather from here is, first, that they make the example of an entity removed from space-time. That means somebody who uh, ceases their incarnation here dies and goes to time space where everything is reviewed remember in time space there is three dimensions of time and only one space if you will Uh, but it's the same thing it's just that we move through time and it's almost like browsing we can change the physical reality here with our movements and how you know, we, we go about building stuff and having experiences, but we can't change time, not, you know, in the way we know it. In time space, we cannot change the physical and correct imbalances, but we can move through time, and that's just like moving here in space. So in any case, it may be seen, if you think about it, you're seen in time space, and this is why, you know, people who are, Uh, near-death experience um, survivors or, well, obviously, (laughs) but people who have had those experiences, they often talk about reviewing their whole life. That's because they were removed for a little moment to time-space and they could see their whole life. Obviously, because they're in spirit, you know, they get into the whole analysis of saying, you know, I wish I could have done more loving things or be more time with my family and so on. That's because that's the nature of what we're doing here. And we get kind of distracted. But anyhow, I digress. The point is that in time space, you get to see that. And present seems to be the natural thing. Like everything is present the way you see it. Um, and the other thing that they say is that they seek to learn this understanding. That's confusing to me, to be honest. And I got to be you know, completely clear. I'm not sure what understanding they're seeking if they know already that there is past, present, and future in third density, and that is different in other densities. So that's not clear to me. But they also say, which is really cool, they seek to find that seventh density experience, just like I said before, I'm not sure they have been, so kind of confusing. These whole two questions are kind of confusing to me. But what's really cool is that they say that they seek to have no memory, no identity, no past or future, but existing in the all. And that to me gives me um, a visualization of what they would go through as opposed to seeing you know, time in different ways. I mean, they would be all or be one with all basically, experience everything, have no recollections of anything, just be everything, just like the creator is. So that must be like the, the highest mystical experience you can have in this universe, I guess, as a possible entity. But then you're not being an entity anymore. You're being one with everything. Anyhow, let's go on with, to something more, more grounded. Does this mean that you would have an awareness of all that is? They said this is partially correct. It is our understanding that... It would not be our awareness, but simply awareness of the Creator. In the Creator is all that there is. Therefore, this knowledge would be available. So again, going back to that, uh, that's that's what I was trying to say. That it would be the awareness of the Creator, being in the All and not having a specific identity per se. So there, there would be dissolution of the uh, of the social memory complex that they are. I guess because. There won't be no uh, no purpose for it. So that's it. All right. Now I promise more grounded information. Um, how many inhabited planets are there in our galaxy? Ross says, We are assuming that you intend all dimensions of consciousness or densities of awareness in this question. Approximately one-fifth of all planetary entities contain awareness of one or more densities. Some planetary spheres are hospitable Only for certain densities. Your planetary sphere, for instance, is at this time hospitable to levels of or densities 1, 2, 3, and 4. Okay, I have a notation there just because I skipped one question that was formulated wrong or uh, confusing for Ross. So they just said, please restate the question. And that's why I skipped that. But question 25 is about how many um, planets have intelligent or conscious life, not intelligent. I think that's that's an old concept. But conscious life, as we know it, and they said that around one-fifth, so that's 20% of all the planets in the galaxy. A lot. We're going to get to the specific number. But the other cool thing is that, um, well, I mean, we know this already, that our planetary sphere or Earth is habitable by, obviously, first, second, third, and four density. They repeat it again. Four density is available right now. Or has been since probably a hundred years already. Let's move on. Well, roughly how many total planets in this galaxy of stars that we are in have aware life regardless of density? Ross has approximately 67 million. Can you tell me what percentage of those are third, fourth, fifth, sixth density, etc.? Roughly, very roughly. Ross says, a percentage 17% of, for first density, a percentage 20% for second density, a percentage 27 for third density, a percentage 16 for fourth density, a percentage six for, for fifth density. The other information must be withheld. The free will of your future is not making this available. Okay, so the first comment I have is that they say, 67 million planets. And it's interesting because the Fermi paradox, which I remember from my olden days in the uh, conventional science, they kind of estimated between, I mean, it was a huge range, but the top range was around 100 million civilizations in the galaxy, if memory serves. I know it was, um, it was a number roughly around there. And it's curious that it's actually 67 million what Ross says. And so fermi uh and the drake equation that uh carl sagan was very popular for doing they weren't actually too wrong you know they were were pretty close and i don't know if that was you know um, i would say not hidden science but um misinformation science but it seemed like it's pretty accurate um so just the first thing and the other one that's curious to to just note is that uh, there are different percentages for the different obviously you know um, planets that have habitable zones for a second or higher densities they must have i would assume well it all depends but they would have uh spheres already for the previous densities uh, of experience so something to take into consideration there everything equates to i think 86 percent what they reveal there and the rest they cannot talk about which i think well let me not get ahead of myself which i always do uh so let's go to the next part of actually rock keeps going we shall speak on one item there is a fairly large percentage approximately 35 percent of intelligent planets which do not fit in the percentiles these mysteries are of sixth and seventh density and are not available for our speaking i am assuming that they refer to the other eighty percent of the planetary spheres that exist out there, that then it would be fifty-five percent of the whole galaxy. But those that thirty-five uh, percent, what remains of the one-fifth. I hope this makes sense because they originally said one-fifth of the planets are you know this, this, and that, and then there is thirty-five percent that there is intelligent planets that have uh, they can that they do not fit the percentiles for some reason. There's something that we don't know. It's part of the law of confusion and they don't want to reveal it. So I guess we're in the mystery. Third density is beautiful for that. Don says, well, this first five densities have all of them progressed from third density by knowledge and application of the law of one. This is correct then the only way for a planet to get out of the situation that we're in, or the only way for the population, is to become aware of and start practicing the law of one. Is this correct? And it is correct. Pretty quick, this just means that we need to be aware of the law of one to progress to four density. There is no other way around it. Now, I'll make a big, big caveat here. We don't need to know the raw material. That's not the law of one. The raw material talks about the law of one, but it's not the law of one, even though the book is known the law of one. But anyhow, people practice the law of one without even knowing about the raw material or any uh, entities. I mean, it's just a way of living. And I need to stress this point because even though I'm doing this series and I love this material, I need to say, there is a lot of way to uh, uh, to apply the law of one naturally without knowing any of this. It's just a natural state of being of the human, uh, whether that be positively or negatively oriented uh, entities. But regardless, it's just the law of one. We need to follow it. That's what our creator or us ourselves designed in this universe. So uh, just wanted to say that, but yes, we need to be aware of the law of one in some way or another to be more service to others or service to self, really uh, everybody's choice at this point. Let's go on. Can you tell me what percentage of third, fourth, and fifth density planets which you have spoken of here are negatively polarized? Polarized towards service for self, and Ra says, this is not a query to which we may speak given the law of Confucian. We may say only that the negatively or self service oriented planetary spheres are much fewer to give you exact numbers would be would not be appropriate last question regarding this is don saying i would like to make an analogy about why there are fewer negatively oriented and ask you if the analogy is good in a positively oriented society with service to others it would be simple to move a large boulder by getting everyone to help move it in a society oriented towards service to self, it would be much more difficult to get everyone to work on the boulder for the good of all. Therefore, it is much easier to get things done to create the service to other principle and to grow in positively oriented communities than it is in negative. Is this correct? And of course, it is correct. And with this question, we get to the end, but let me say something about it because it's pretty obvious. They can't talk about the negative uh, planets or civilizations that exist in percentage-wise, but they do say, um, okay, well, there's just a, a few of them. It's not as many as the positive. And then Don makes the analogy, of course, that it's easier to progress in a planet that is uh, service to others than it is in service to self because people are collaborating with each other. Hopefully, that's a message we can get across the whole planet right now because we desperately needed Uh, we are without a doubt a positive oriented population humanity there's a reason why we have wanderers and uh, we have star seeds which might be the same thing and we have this uh affluence of different entities coming to help the planets and we know it ourselves i mean You make a poll and you know that the majority of people don't want to participate in this system. However, we keep giving with our free will everything that we do for the good of the corporations and the politicians and the religions and every other hierarchical system that divides us into superior and inferior um, people or entities of an organism makes no sense like giving the heart priority over the liver or anything else we are a collective organism but again thank you for watching thank you for enduring my philosophy now in conclusion of this uh, second part third part is coming again uh, as usual next week we'll talk about it it's gonna be a lot of fun we're halfway through session 16 like I said it's pretty long thank you for uh, resisting all this and watching hopefully there's a good message for you and something resonates so you can continue with your growth as I am in the learning of all this material. I'll see you next week in part three of session 16. Take care.